people are the most consequential and dangerous forces on Earth. Well, personality psychology is about the nature of human nature. It's about people. And wouldn't that be useful to know? I mean, it seems to me, I can't, I can't think of a more important problem. You're listening to the Science of Personality podcast, brought to you by Hogan Assessments, the global leader in personality assessment and leadership development since 1987. Your hosts are Hogan Chief Science Officer and world-renowned personality psychologist, Dr. Ryan Sherman, along with Hogan PR Manager and resident storyteller, Blake Lepp. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Science of Personality podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Sherman, along with my co-host, as always, Blake Lepp. Say hello, Blake. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Science of Personality podcast, episode 70. Today, Ryan and I are going to discuss the topic of leadership emergence versus leadership effectiveness. This is something we've touched on in previous episodes, but after some recent discussions with Ryan, we realized this was a topic worthy of its own episode. One quick announcement before we get to today's discussion is don't forget to register for our next installment of the Science of Personality Live on Thursday, March 9th, titled The Future is Here, AI, Personality, and the Impact. In this live episode, we will be joined by Dr. Michal Kaczynski, Associate Professor in Organizational Behavior at Stanford University Graduate School of Business. Michal's primary research focus is studying humans in a digital environment using cutting-edge computational methods, artificial intelligence, and big data. He was also behind the first press article warning against Cambridge Analytica, the privacy risks they exploited, and the efficiency of the methods they use. To register, go to www.hoganassessments.com forward slash webinars. Now, without further ado, let's dive in. So, Ryan, let's start with some definitions. What is leadership emergence? Yeah, so it's really interesting, I think, sort of... uh to give some context for this episode, as you mentioned, Blake, we've, we've sort of touched on this in a variety of topics, but uh, to, to both of our surprise, I think we, we actually really haven't talked specifically about this topic. And it's kind of funny that we haven't because this is such a core issue that we talk about at Hogan all the time. There, there's a lot of studies of leadership out there. It's very easy to find studies of leadership. Ton, the academic literature is filled with studies of leadership. You can go to any bookstore and find books on leadership. And there's there's people who give their personal memoirs, who are former leaders, business leaders, military leaders uh, that are that are really all about leadership, and they give you sort of their advice and their pointers on leadership. But one of the things almost all of this work fails to do is distinguish between these two key topics, emergence and effectiveness. And mostly, they sort of tend to think that they're the same thing. That is. If you are a leader in an organization, you must, by definition, be effective. But of course, we know from just you know reading the headlines in the newspapers that that's not the case, that many organizations have really ineffective leaders. And so that's what sort of brings up this critical distinction between emergence and effectiveness. That is, that there's certain people who are very good at getting to the top of organizations, getting into leadership positions. That's sort of one skill set. And then another skill set is leading those organizations to sort of success, uh, success to some extent. So that I think I think that's a really key distinction. And so to your point about you know what is leadership emergence, uh, that's what we really mean is that it means getting to the top. It means getting into leadership positions. It means climbing the corporate ladder. Um, 
there's all kinds of euphemisms that we might use to describe that, but really that's what it's about. It's about getting into that C-suite. It's about getting onto board positions, getting to the top of, of some company or organization. Okay. Well, conversely, how would you define leadership effectiveness then? Yeah, so leadership effectiveness is, uh, in in Hogan's terms, the way we talk about it here, is about building a high-performing team. You know, I was just recently uh, in uh, New Zealand and Australia with uh, uh, our distributor there, Peter Berry Consultancy, and uh, Peter Berry was giving talks on on leadership, and one of the things that he would often talk about when he would talk about leadership, he would say something like this. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. I might be screwing up exactly what he says, but he says, leadership is about teams. Teams produce results, judge the leader by the team. And he talks to leaders about this all the time. And he says that there's sort of this light bulb moment for many leaders when they sort of realize that, that look, your success is really about the team's results, right? And that's what we mean when we talk about leadership effectiveness. We're talking about building and maintaining a high-performing team, building a team that produces results. And that's really a very different way of thinking about leadership than, again, like I mentioned earlier, most academics, uh, most academic studies of leadership look at it, or, or people even in their personal memoirs, they tend to think about leadership as, as that climb to the top, as it's getting into those positions, that that's what leadership is really about. But of course, you know, we think leadership is pretty different. We think it's about leading organizations um, to success. Well, it, it seems strange that the literature really never got to this point, or at least for so long they didn't. I think maybe maybe we've seen this a lot more now, I think. Um, but why do you think that's the case? I mean, what? why was the literature so wrong or, or not at least maybe wrong is the wrong word, um, or maybe they just weren't covering something that was kind of right there in front of them? Yeah, I think the, the reason is because studying leadership success is, is really difficult, right? Or, or leadership um, effectiveness is, is rich, much more challenging. So, right, if, I, if I'm interested in the topic of leadership and I want to go study leadership, a very natural and very easy thing to do is just to go find people who are in leadership positions already and study them, right? So I want to know about what it takes to to run a Fortune 500 company. So I just go study the CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. And what are some of the things I'm going to find out? Well, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about before on this podcast is you're going to find out a tremendous number of them are male, a tremendous number of them are named John. Um, but what else are you, what is that really going to teach you about leading effectively? You're not going to learn much. We tend to equate those two sort of automatically. We tend to assume again, that once you're in those positions that you must in fact be effective, but in sort of, as we slow down and really think about it, you go, wait a minute, that's not really what that means. What that means is you have the ability, you tend to have political skill. That's one of the things that we know um, to, to be able to, to get into those kind of positions. And so I think that's one reason it's sort of the easy way to study leadership is just to say, I'm just going to study those people who are in charge. And the, the sort of opposite side of that or sort of the other side of that coin is that it's also just very difficult to study leadership effectiveness. I mean, I talked about teams and team results. Well, what are team results exactly? What does that mean um, in terms of an organization or a business? Like, well, what is a team results? We could look at all kinds of things like, you know, um, return on investments or return on assets. We could look at stock market price. Um, but it's really hard to say, is that a result of the leader? Is that a result of luck in the industry? There's a whole variety of things that impact that, that, that may not be directly due to the leader. So 
it's also really hard to quantify. I guess that's the other side of the coin here is it's really hard to quantify leadership effectiveness. I think that's one of the reasons, Blake, you and I, we talk about sports on this podcast a lot is because it's just much easier to quantify a team's results because you can see them on the field every week. Right. And they're not hiding, hiding in a, a boardroom somewhere mm-hmm. <laughs> or in, a, in the, suite, the C-suite. But we know it's important to distinguish you know, between leadership emergence and leadership effectiveness. So I'm curious, Ryan, how is personality related to the emergent leaders? Yeah. So as you might uh, guess, because so many studies of quote unquote leadership effectively were studies of leadership emergence, uh, it's actually pretty easy. There's actually a lot of data available on this topic because you know, if, if we go back and look at the literature and you say, what was that study of leadership really of? And you realize, oh no, it's just a study of who is a leader. That's a leadership emergence study. So there's a ton of data on that available. And in fact, gosh, almost 21 years ago now, there was a a meta-analysis done looking at personality and who becomes a leader. And that meta-analysis showed really clearly that personality predicts very strongly who becomes a leader. So just to give you some hints, neuroticism uh, or what we call adjustment uh, in in this case, uh, well, we have called the reverse of an adjustment, um, was negatively correlated. So that is being less emotionally stable was less likely, means you're less likely to be a leader. Um, Extroversion was positively correlated with leadership. Um, openness to experience was positively correlated with the leadership and conscientiousness was also positively correlated with leadership. Agreeableness was the only one that was sort of not related to getting into leadership positions. It was correlated uh, about zero um, with, with being in leadership positions. But the bigger picture is, and so so that's sort of a big five uh, meta-analytic summary, but I, but I think the, the bigger answer is when you combine all of those, right? When you, when you combine all of the big five personality traits together, we see a multiple correlation above 0.5. That is um, really strong uh, predicting, prediction of who, who's going to become a leader in, in sort of your status within an organization. So that is personality predicts leadership emergence really, really well. Okay, so now I guess the, the million-dollar question here is, how is personality related to effective leaders or what are some of those, those characteristics that one might see in an effective leader? Yeah. So there's really a couple of interesting things here. I already mentioned the fact that it's difficult to quantify leadership effectiveness. Like what actually would be the metric you would use to know if the leader was good. I, you know, Things in the business, like I mentioned, return on assets, or I mentioned stock market value. Those things are really, or can can be really misleading because sometimes um, you, you walk into a situation where the stock market right, stock market increases due to actions of the previous leader, right? Or sometimes you make really, really good productive decisions, and then you retire, and the business thrives. But the next person is kind of getting the credit for that if you sort of, right? So you have to figure out a way of figuring out how much, what did this leader actually do that actually produced the results and how related were they? I'll just give you a really clear example. Um, If we use stock market value, right? If we use that as our metric for leadership effectiveness in corporate organizations, we would have to conclude that Jack Welch of GE was one of the most effective leaders of all time because GE's stock price was incredibly high and he grew GE stock price incredibly high while he was running GE. But of course, with a sort of reverse-looking lens, we know that actually a lot of that was artificially inflated. They were cooking the books in certain ways. He was using GE capital to make 
it looked like GE was much uh, a much stronger company than it actually was. And he, in many respects, actually ruined GE as an organization. So I guess that's part one of the problem here is that it's very difficult to pick a metric for, for leadership effectiveness. The other issue is that when we look at studies of leadership effectiveness, where you, you sort of ask people, you know, who's the best leader you ever had? What, what are the characteristics that they displayed? What we find is something that doesn't quite, it, it's related to personality, but it doesn't quite sound like personality characteristics. So some of the things that people will tell you is integrity, right? So they have a lot of integrity. Well, integrity is related to personality, but it's not quite the same thing, right? Integrity means being honest and not double dealing, um, keep, keeping your word. Uh, and and that we, we've talked about this before, that that's all about building trust and that you, you know, you're by, by keeping your word, you build trust and people will depend on you and people will sort of, uh, uh, quote unquote, go to play for you, go play for you because they, they believe in you and they trust you. Uh, we see things like having competence in the business, knowing what business you're in, right? Having experience in that field. Well, that's not really personality. Uh, we see things like judgment, making good decisions uh, in a timely fashion. And, and that's somewhat related to personality, but it's not exactly a personality trait per se. And then the last one we see is vision. And, and offering a compelling vision for the future. And that has some pretty strong links with certain personality traits, but they're not always the best ones. They're not always ones that lead to the best kind of outcomes. So, but we know that those things, we also know humility is related to, to uh, um, being an effective leader as well. But again, that's only a partial personality trait. In some respects, it's more of a competency than it is a personality trait. And so that's also made the study of leadership effectiveness pretty tricky. So on the one hand, we don't have a good criteria. And then on the other hand, we don't have um, a really good list of what effective leaders look like when we ask people about the most effective leaders they've known in, in terms of personality traits. Um, so I guess that brings me to this recent research that, that, I, that I conducted with uh, a collaborator of ours. This was um, research that was conducted between Hogan and uh, one of our solutions partners, uh, Kaiser Leadership Solutions. Uh, we've had Rob Kaiser on here as a guest. He's the president of Kaiser Leadership Solutions. Uh, and Rob and I actually sat down with some amazing data that he has. And I, I'm hoping we get to have Rob back on here uh, pretty soon in the future too. Uh, and... Uh, what he has is an amazing 360 data set. So these are really top leaders in some of the biggest companies in the U.S. and, and a fair number in Europe as well. Um, and like, as I mentioned, he has a 360 data set. So what he has is these top leaders. I mean, these are thousands of top leaders in big companies that everybody's heard of um, who've been rated by their subordinates, by their peers, by their supervisors in some cases. In some cases, they don't have any supervisors. Really, they're at the top of the house. Um, on a whole bunch of behaviors in terms of how they act as a leader. And most importantly, for the, for the purposes of what, what I'm going to talk about today, they've also been rated on a single item of overall effectiveness. And that's probably the best proxy we can come up with for how effective someone is a leader. So it's just simply from 1 to 10, how effective is this person as a leader? And given the difficulty of, of sort of selecting a criteria for how I would know if you were an effective leader, um, this is probably the best we've got. These are the people who know you, people who work with you on a daily basis. If they say you're effective, then that probably means you're effective. Um, and so that's what we did. We said, okay, we've got this great data on leadership effectiveness. And the question was very simple. How is personality related to what your peers think about you in terms of leadership effectiveness? 
And Blake, this is where things got really uh, shocking for me. So I went there to do this study to say, what are the personality characteristics are effective leaders? And when we got done with the analysis, I was pretty stunned by the results because it wasn't what I expected. Um, in fact, uh, the correlation, I'll just go to sort of the multiple correlation. Remember earlier I said the multiple correlation between personality and leadership emergence is above 0.5. The correlation between personality and leadership effectiveness as rated by your peers is only 0.17. Wow. And yeah, so I was sort of like, whoa, uh, that's not great. What, what you mean there's no personality traits? The personality is only weakly related to leadership effectiveness. Um, and I wasn't quite sure what to do with this at first. I was sort of like, oh, no, this is a disaster. Um, but then I started to think about it a little bit differently, I guess. Well, okay, then... So if personality isn't directly related to leadership effectiveness, what about ineffectiveness? Yeah, and I guess that's the sort of the way I started thinking about it because uh, like to, to have this sort of, uh, you know, like, uh, oh my gosh, personality is not related to leadership uh, effectiveness. Uh, I was like, oh, this is, this is no good. This is sort of problematic for, for you know, our, our whole line of business and the kind of work that we do. But it actually turns out um, that's sort of only half of the interpretation. Uh, a better interpretation of the results is to, is to look at a couple of other things. I mentioned he measures all kinds of behaviors, right? In this 360, there's all these behaviors. And personality predicts all of these behaviors really, really well. So it predicts if you're being too forceful and too demanding. It predicts if you're being too enabling and too soft and not holding people accountable. It predicts if you're being too strategic and too, too um, pie-in-the-sky thinking. It predicts if you're being too operational and too down into the details. So it predicts our, our, our personality assessments predict like crazy all of these behaviors, but it didn't predict effectiveness that well. And the reason is because what personality is actually predicting is all of the ways that you're ineffective. Wow. So if you're okay. too operational, it was because you're, you're too, you're people who are ambitious tended to be um, uh, too forceful and too operational, right? They wanted to do everything. They wanted to get their hands in. They wanted to go, 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 push, 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 and they would push too hard, right? People who are high in interpersonal sensitivity tended to be too enabling. They tended to let people just get away with things and not, not really hold people accountable, People who are high on prudence tended to be too operational. They tended to focus on all the details and all the minor things, and they lost the big picture. Uh, people who are high on colorful in one of our HDS scales tended to focus too much on the big picture and the big vision, and, and they had no sense of reality and actually getting, getting the job done. So what actually sort of ironically we found out was that personality is much better at predicting the way leaders go wrong than the ways that they go right. And what does this sort of the, the upshot of that mean is that leadership effectiveness is about balancing those different behaviors. It's about, and this is what, what you know, Rob's uh, work is really all about. It's what he calls versatility. In the, the, in he, and in fact, in his data set, we can find that versatility predicts leadership effectiveness really, really well. So just in case you were sitting here thinking, well, maybe your measure of leadership effectiveness was really bad, versatility in his measure predicts effectiveness at R equals 0.77. So essentially, being a versatile leader is exactly what we're looking for in terms of effective leaders. Effective leaders are versatile leaders. It really means that they, 
they're basically the same thing. If you're effective, you're versatile. If you're versatile, you're effective. That's what that means. But to be a versatile leader, you have to adapt your behavior. You can't just stick to one strategy all the time. And that's what sort of light bulb came on for me as I was looking at these results was, oh, that's why there's no personality profile for leadership effectiveness. Like there's no like, oh, this is the profile for an effective leader because leaders who stick to only one pattern of behavior get themselves in trouble. And so what you actually have to be able to do as a leader is is adjust. You have to be able to say, okay, in this situation, that's not the right call. So I can give you some some really simple examples here that that I think highlight this. Um, If you're a high prudent person, there may be situations where being down into the details, focusing on those kinds of things, being very operational minded is very successful, right? That that really gets a lot done in the business. But there may also be times when you need to be more strategic, more forward thinking, more um, with a focus towards a long-term vision that you miss out on. And what we find is that the most effective leaders are the ones that can flex between those two things, right? Can do both. And if you're high prudent, that doesn't mean you can't be an effective leader. What it means is you have to recognize the situations where you are likely to get weighed who down into the details. And as you see that situation come up, put the brakes on, back off, get somebody else in charge, bring somebody else in who can help you bring in that bigger picture, see uh, see the, the long-term vision in the future. And so that's just one example, but there, there's lots of examples like this where what it really means to be effective is to almost go against your natural tendencies, not all the time, but recognize when your natural tendency, right? So if you're highly ambitious and like to push for results, you need to recognize that there's time to look around and say, hey, I need to appreciate my staff a little bit more, right? And leaders who can do that, who can put the brakes on their own personality characteristics, know when to go with their strengths, but also know when their strengths leads them in the wrong direction, those are the leaders who are the most effective. So essentially, strategic self-awareness is the key here and the way to gain that strategic self-awareness is to learn more about yourself and your personality. Absolutely. That's the sort of the, the big takeaway for me is that to be an effective leader, what you have to do is, first of all, understand yourself. You've got to understand your own strengths. You've got to understand your own weaknesses. You've got to understand those tendencies that you get yourself into that might lead to success in certain situations but lead to disasters in other situations. And that's what we see is that really effective leaders that have the ability to do that. They have that strategic self-awareness. They know when their usual mode of behavior, their, their typical modus operandi is the wrong way to go. They know, oh man, I know this is what I want to do in this situation because it's what I always do, but it's the wrong choice here. And what that really means is that to become more effective, not only do you have to know about your own strengths and weaknesses, but you typically also have to have experiences that challenge those, right? That, that challenge your, your natural inclination. So like, let's say you work in a business that's highly operational, right? That's, that's very tactical where, you know, that's your job is to get things done. Like let's say a freight business, right? Where it's all about getting the right weight and the right trucks and the right places and the right time. And you're the head of operations and you've been working in operations your whole career and you've been very successful. Chances are you're really high prudence. Chances are you're really high diligent, right? And that's going to make you really effective in that role. But if you never take another role, 
you're not going to develop those other characteristics. You're not going to develop the ability to recognize situations where you need to have more long-term strategic vision. If you get put into, and this happens all the time in organizations, somebody who's really, really effective in their division, they've led their division to great success, gets put into a CEO role or some larger manager role, and they fail in that role. And the reason they typically do it is because they rely on those same behaviors that got them there. And usually that set of behaviors uh, that was successful in that role isn't going to always be successful in the new role. You have to be able to to recognize when your instincts are the wrong kind of things to do. You need to go with something else. Well, Ryan, we've talked about personality change in a previous episode. And, and you know, our, our kind of conclusion or our stance on that is that, I mean, you, you, I guess you technically can change your personality, but it's very, very, very difficult. What someone is more likely to be able to do is to change their behaviors. But because you know, that is so difficult. So it's one thing to have the strategic self-awareness, but then to actually modify your behavior uh, based on what you learn about yourself. So what advice would you give to someone um, once they do, you know, maybe sit down, they get a feedback session on their results or something or get, do a little, have a little coaching. I mean, how do you get someone to actually modify their behavior uh, in order to, you know, become more effective in a leadership role? Yeah, I think the first thing to recognize is that we're not asking you to change all the time, right? We're, we're, the, 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 to be an effective leader doesn't mean to do the opposite of what you've been doing. In fact, we can see people who run into mistakes as well doing that. They say, oh, you don't want me to do this anymore. You want me to do this instead. And what we know about being effective is that it doesn't require you to do that. It doesn't require these 180-degree shifts. What it requires you to do is just sort of recognize spots where – you're uh, too tactical or where you're too strategic, you're too visionary, you're too long-term, you don't think about the practical implications of what you're talking about. And so you need to recognize those spots, slow down. You need to bring somebody in, bring in some counterparts who can sort of balance out. Uh, like if, like I said, if you're too visionary, you need to bring in somebody who, who really thinks much more operationally and bring them in to, to sort of work as a balance uh, to, to your long-term vision. So those are some really obvious things that you can do to sort of adapt your behavior. Again, recognize those spots, recognize those situations where, where you need to adapt a little bit and bring somebody else in. Um, but I think, again, the big picture is that we're not asking people to totally change. And we're not saying, oh, you have to change your personality to be an effective leader. What we're saying is you need to uh, recognize situations where, where your typical mode of operating is going to be ineffective. And I think the best way to do that is to get more experience in situations. And so I think one of the problems we see with a lot of leaders is, particularly those who are motivated by success, we want to stay with what we know. We want to stay in areas where we can be successful, where it's success is kind of predictable because we know the right way to act. We know the right way to respond. But really effective leaders, those who, who really become the most effective, take on roles, they take on challenges that, um, they're unfamiliar with. They might move into an area of a company or a division where, you know, that's not really their background. And they have to learn about that area, but they also have to learn about how what worked in one area or how their own or their previous mode of operation doesn't work in this business unit. And it's those experiences that seem to really shape up the best leaders. You know, it gets me thinking about a little bit about Pey Peyton Manning from the beginning of his career to the end of his career. Uh, you know, here, here's our sports reference, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I, 
had to get one in. Uh, but you know, he he was a prolific passer. I mean, just an unbelievable quarterback in the in the NFL for the Colts for years and years. Won a Super Bowl there, uh, and then toward the end of his career, he he's traded to Denver, signs with Denver, and his skills weren't maybe what they were. I'm sure mentally he wanted to be that same Peyton Manning that he was, but I think he had to come to the realization that his skills had diminished. He had a defense that could back him up. So he only needed to do enough to uh, just keep, keep them ahead on the scoreboard as opposed to trying to uh, destroy everybody and score every time he had the ball. He knew he didn't have to do that. And I'm, I'm curious, you know, that's, maybe how he modified his behavior his maybe he was overly competitive and wanted to to do too much at times and realized he needed to scale it back and as a result they won a super bowl i guess uh maybe one or two seasons before he retired so i don't i don't know what your thoughts would be on that or if that's even a good example well i think it is a good example because it's an example of sort of modifying our behavior to those circumstances you recognize that you're in different circumstances now whether that's your own personal ability that may be contributing to that, but also you know, the team around you, right? And what are the goals of the team? What are the strengths and weaknesses of the team? And just saying, okay, what do I need to do to make this, right? Because if he went there and said, oh, I'm going to play just like I do, I did in Indianapolis, that probably would not have been successful, right? So really effective leaders ad- ad- adjust or they adapt to those situations. I mean, I mean, to stay in the sports reference world, I think one of my wife's favorite clo- quotes is one from Billie Jean King, the, the, the uh, uh, tennis uh, superstar who said, you know, winners adjust, right? That that's what winners do. And it's the same thing for effective leaders. Effective leaders adjust to the circumstances. They go, oh, okay, in this circumstance, I can't do the thing that I usually do. And I think the other funny thing about some of this, Blake, is that it, it sort of puts into perspective a lot of these books on leadership and leadership effectiveness that most of the people who write these books about what it takes to be an effective leader um, really only worked in one area or one industry or one domain uh, for their entire career. And so their own take on what it takes to be effective is really circumscribed. So let, I'll just give you a really simple example, or I'll try to make this example kind of simple. Let's imagine um, that uh, you work in a very operational industry, an industry where operations is critical um, and, and you are a highly operationally sort of t- type of focused person, right? You're very high prudent. You're very high diligent. Um, you are going to rely on your high diligence and your high prudence a lot, right? That's what you're, those are going to be your go-to responses to most situations. And because you work in an industry that's like that, though, that response is going to be successful much of the time. So you're going to assume that this is what it takes to be a highly effective leader in pretty much any circumstance, but it's really just that you happen to be in the circumstance that fits really well with your, 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 your strategy or the, the tendencies that you go for, right? So another way of looking at it is like this. Imagine a coin, um, and, and you've got to guess which way the coin's going to come up, heads or tails, right? And let's imagine uh, you have a bias towards saying heads, Right? You just, whatever reason you like to say heads, you say heads 10 out of 10 times. Well, you're going to look pretty good if you work in an environment where heads comes up seven out of 10 times. Right. And your decision making is going to look pretty wow. He's, you know, seven, seven out of 10 decisions he gets right. But that's just because you always say heads because you're a highly prudent or highly diligent kind of person. Right. Um, but in another environment where tails comes up most of the time, you're going to look really, really bad. 
And what we find is that the most effective leaders aren't ones who say heads all the time or aren't ones who say tails all the time. They're the ones that recognize when to say heads and when to say tails, and they just get it right 10 out of 10 times. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. There's like the, the bombshell there. So uh, given what we've discussed and what we know now, I'm curious how, how might this affect consultants or coaches? Yeah, well, as you might imagine, Blake, when I first saw these results, I was like, oh my gosh, this is you know terrible news. Personality is not related to leadership effectiveness. Um, but as I mentioned, you know, that's really only a small sort of understanding of what this means. I think it has huge implications for coaching and consulting because the first thing that it means is actually it doesn't mean personality is not related to leadership effectiveness. Because as I mentioned, personality is related like crazy to leadership ineffectiveness, right? It tells us about all the ways that we become ineffective. Uh, the, the ways that we overdo certain things or that we underdo certain things. But for coaches and consultants, what this means is that anybody can be effective, almost anybody. I say almost anybody because, again, personality is to some degree related to effectiveness. So there's probably some personality sets that are probably not going to be great at leading. Um, but for the most part, I would say 80, 90% of people can actually be effective at leading if you develop the right skill set. And that's where coaching and consulting really comes in because that's what that's all about. It's all about developing people in, in many organizations to be more effective at leading. And so I think there's really big opportunities for coaches and consultants to talk to individuals, like say, let's say you've had a really good assessment, like a Hogan assessment, to talk to these individuals and say, okay, here's all these strengths that you have. Here's all these bright sides that we see in you. Now let's think about how those could be problematic for you. What, what circumstances might those get you in trouble? How can you recognize those circumstances? How can you better adapt to those circumstances to, to sort of overcome your, your tendencies or your biases to, to always want to go to one or two solutions to every problem? And I think for me, I, I was sort of pessimistic about the results at first, but now I'm super optimistic because I think this is a very empowering set of findings. Um, anyone can be effective. Everyone can basically be more effective if we really have that strategic self-awareness like you mentioned. And we and, and, and that's what coaching and consulting is about. It's about trying to bring that strategic awareness to, for, to our forefront so that, so that we can um, you know, recognize our own biases and we can defend against them. We can protect against them. We can watch out for spots where we're going to over rely on those biases. So for me, I think it's really exciting for coaches and consultants because uh, it means there's a lot of opportunity to help develop leaders out there. But how well will it work for a coach or consultant that really only focuses on strengths-based coaching? Well, so that's where I think that, you know, that that's a huge problem, right? Because in some respects, you know, there's, you're getting half of the issue there, right? If we focus on strengths, you can say, okay, um, how might this strength might, might be a strength that's overused that, that, you know, that can be the case. Um, but of course, you know, when we looked at, at this research on leadership effectiveness and what actually predicts being an effective leader or what predicts the ways that you're ineffective, the HDS, our dark side measure, predicts all kinds of leadership ineffectiveness behaviors, right? Um, you might imagine the charisma cluster, bold, mischievous, colorful, imaginative. Those predict like crazy being too visionary, being too strategic, too, focusing too much on the long term, the big picture, having no focus on the details, no focus on how anything's going to get done, no focus on how we're going to afford any of this, no focus on prioritization, you know, what should go first, what should go next, which is really critical to, to being successful. You have to decide which are the things that we have to do right now, which are the things that we can put off for later. 
um, these people tend to to not think about those kinds of things, and so so that's a huge problem. So the HDS picks up on all of that. Um, of course, uh, the diligent and dutiful those people tend to be way too operational. People who are too cautious tend to be too operational. People who are too um, reserved to, uh, uh, tend to to lack. Um, the interpersonal sensitivity, that is, they tend to lack, uh, it predicts really strongly, um, lacking the, the sort of enabling, right? Not letting people do things on their own, right? You, you want to manage everything. The same thing with people who are high on cautious. They tend to be so afraid of mistakes that they want to micromanage everything themselves as well. And so the HDS covers a huge amount of ways that we become ineffective as leaders. So if you only focus on the bright side, right? If you ignore that dark side, uh, you're, you're missing it. Um, a lot in terms of the ways that we become ineffective. And, and I really do think that that's the way coaches and consultants ought to be thinking about personality. They ought to be looking at it through the lens of, okay, I, I think we tend to want to look at the lens of personality and think this is how I'm great. But what we ought to look at personality through is these are the ways that I get into trouble. These are the ways that I make mistakes. These are the ways that I can fail. These are the ways that I can be ineffective as a leader. And if we look at it through that lens, all of a sudden it really opens up our world of possibilities in terms of how we can get better. Well, that's fascinating, but you know, I have one more question before we get out of here and it, it kind of um, gives us a broader view because we're going to focus on the organizations as a whole. Like that I'm curious, what should organizations do? How should they go about choosing their leaders? you know, given what we know now, yeah, so a couple of things. One is I would say you still have to be wary of charisma, right? The, the, the charisma is a trap. Um, charisma predicts like crazy leadership emergence, right? So it's really strong. People who are colorful, people who are extroverted, people who use some of those traits I mentioned earlier um, are, are just more likely to stand out and um, seem like obvious candidates for leadership positions. And so you have to be careful on that because you want to, to know that, and typically these people bring that vision, right? They sort of bring that vision component. They tend to be uh, very strategic, um, but they don't necessarily uh, have those other skills. Do they have the ability to, uh, do, do they actually understand the business that they're in? Do they have good judgment? Um, are they able to flex? Are they able to move in the other direction when, when they need to? So that's number one is you, you sort of just want to watch out for the people who have those emergent characteristics because just because somebody has emergent characteristics doesn't mean they're going to be an effective leader. And that's what we're all drawn to immediately. I mean, politicians, what is politician? Politician is all about emergence, right? It's all about getting elected. It's all about getting people to like you and to vote for you, right? And so you really have to watch out for those emergent characteristics if you're an organization looking for, for future leaders. The other thing you should do is, I think, obviously, is use assessments and say, okay, what would be this person's strengths and weaknesses as a leader? Um, what are our current organizational needs? What are the things that we need to do? We need to get better at, and who has the right skill set to help us solve those problems in the short term? But then finally, you also have to think about which people can most flex, which people can adapt, which people can um, not just rely on one set of personality strengths, but can it fl flip over when the situation calls for it to another set of strengths. Um, to uh, to really be effective. And if you want to have long-term leaders, 
I think organizations need to do a lot of coaching with people around those kinds of issues. You need to find those, those future potential leaders in your organization, probably people who really understand the business well, people who have a history of making good decisions uh, inside the business, people who have high integrity and that everybody in the organization seems to trust to, to make, you know, people who are they're willing to follow. Those are probably your best bet for identifying high potential leaders. And then with those high potential leaders, really work to develop that skill set. I wouldn't be looking for a particular personality profile in there. I would be saying, okay, given your individual personality profile, how can I develop you personally to be more effective as we move you into a leadership role? Wow. Okay. Well, uh, any closing thoughts before we get out of here? (laughs) <laughs> not, not really. Look, I, I mean, I think this is, as, as you can probably tell, I'm super passionate about this topic of, of leadership and, and leadership effectiveness. And, you know, this is the first presentation of these results. This is the first time I've ever talked about these. I think we found that when, when are we recording this in uh, March of 2023. And I think I first uh, found these results in about November, October, November uh, is when, is when Rob and I were sitting there together. And I do want to give another shout out to Rob because without him, uh, you know, we wouldn't be be able to talk about these results. So, um, so big cheers to, to Rob for for providing these data for us and, and sharing with us and and doing the research together with me on this. Um, but this is the first time that that we've talked about these results in any sort of real public fashion, and um, I'm super excited about it. I, I'm very optimistic for what this means for for the future of, of leadership and 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 helping organizations find better leaders. Well, Ryan, I appreciate you uh, coming on. You are expert uh, for this particular episode, which we like to do these uh, just one-on-ones uh, every now and again. And we've actually gotten some some good feedback that people actually do like, you know, to have an episode here and there where it's it's just Ryan as our as our expert. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us, Ryan, and and hopefully people get something out of this. I mean, because this is really kind of uh, eye-opening uh, data that we've seen. So. Uh, kind of really excited about it. Even I'm nerding out about it a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And that does it for the Science of Personality podcast, episode 70. Be sure to join us in two weeks for another fun and informative episode. Cheers, everybody. This has been the Science of Personality podcast brought to you by Hogan Assessments. You can access all podcast episodes on our website, scienceofpersonality.com or on the streaming service of your choice. See you next time.